almost clicked leave meeting by mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day, scholars. Welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm this week's host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. We're coming to you free of charge every single week on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from. Best way to support is to rate, review, subscribe, the whole of Tricolon. Uh, maybe you found us over there on social media. Maybe it's on Twitter, probably most likely. If you did, hey, why don't you get around us and in return we'll get around you. Why don't you uh, add this to your Twitter uh, feed? I never know what Twitter timeline is called. Uh, maybe you found us on Instagram. It's less likely. Why don't you add this to your Instagram story? Maybe you want to tell people in a different way. Maybe you want to uh, ring your mum or write a letter to your nan or a carrier pigeon or act this whole podcast out as a play on balconies with your friends and family. All of it is much appreciated. Like I said, get around us, we'll get around you. Um, it's not just me here today. We've got a little two-man booth for the second week in a row. I'm joined by now the longest-running CEO in wrestling. This is Ross the Boss Casey. <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm going to tweet it out just like TK did. <laughs> Mate, you've got him covered easily. We've been doing this for a lot longer than he has. Also, Billy Corgan wants a word, TK. Yeah, yeah. There's like I'm sure there must be like hundreds. But I just I don't know if I wonder if Corgan calls himself a CEO. That's the thing. I just I'm maybe it's the term CEO. It True. seems very businessy. Yeah. Um I, I like the idea of Corgan calling himself um singer-songwriter for NWA. <laughs> yeah. Front front man pulling shapes. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, how you doing, mate? You good? You recovered yeah, from progress well. on the weekend? Very, very uh, drunk after progress. Managed to be the last man standing in the Dublin Castle. Got woken up after falling right over to sleep, lying down on a bar. So, yeah, that was good. And then, like, sheepishly walked home. <laughs> I... <laughs> you know what I did? I took Deborah, went to the liquor store. I loaded up with alcohol. More specifically, vodka, whiskey, beer, tequila, more beer, more vodka, more whiskey, and more beer. Because I wasn't just going to sit around for a couple of hours in Jonesboro. I was going to drink all night long. <laughs> so you got woken up in the bar after falling asleep. That's ridiculous behavior from you. Yeah. Um, pretty I, pretty I, but, um Also, what a legend. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Whilst we're sharing stories, I left, I don't know how long it would have been in time, but I left as you're on your way to the Dublin Castle. I got home, all right. It took ages and ages to get home because I missed the last tube, so I had to get like three buses. And I got on the wrong bus and I went the wrong way. I ended up in the wrong part. It was just, it took me like hours to get home. So then I got home and I was like, I'm absolutely starving. Like what Uber Eats are available? So I was like, oh, I found this place. I was like, I found somewhere with like a pizza and wings or something. I was like, this is going to be great. Sat down put the ring of honor pay-per-view on just completely passed out stark naked on the sofa windows wide open <laughs> what 100 the uber eats delivery driver got to my door just saw me in all my glory and was like yeah he's not waking up uh, and then woke up in the morning with pizza and wings strewn across my front garden from the foxes i am thankful for being the world's smartest man 
mate. And I thought that my story was good. You've absolutely yeah. trumped me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, look, I was in the stage of my own home, but st- you can still make a prick of yourself, can't you? So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I had to clean up in the morning all the pizza and wings out of the front front garden. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, mate. Do what you want. I, I don't know what was worse, the embarrassment of, of, of it happening or the grief of missing out on my 20 pounds worth of takeaway. <laughs> I think it's the latter. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, people are probably here to... We, we'll talk a bit more about progress, the nuts and bolts and the ins and outs as we get to what the nerds are watching. But have we got a book of bingo this week, mate? We've got a book of bingo, but first up, we've got the call-up sheet. Call-up sheet. Shit, it's been a while since I've done this. Call-up sheet. Book of bingo comes last. That's it. You remember yeah, got- this podcast? James has done the the stats, hasn't he? I don't know how many out of the 61 episodes I've been on, but I, I'm pretty sure I made up the idea of Book of Bingo and the idea of the call-up sheet. I should know what they're called. Anyway. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's go. Call-up sheet. Play the jingle, Phil. Excellent. Right, Ross, you're taking over. Call up sheet. Let's do it. Okay. First up, we've got Matty Laws. I try to be a beacon of light and help for anyone. WrestleBuddy.com. Always open DMs for anything. Taken by a gorgeous redhead. Take care of yourself always from Longmont. I like that. Matty Laws. Straight away with the name, a few things come to mind. I. It's got to be something to do with, you know, the legal system and justice and like maybe like a big boss man style of gimmick. Um, but really what I'd like is I think Matty Laws has to walk out. His entrance music has to be The Clash, I Fought the Law. Yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. and I like that, that, that is brilliant, isn't it? I Fought the Law and the Law Want. That's outstanding. I don't think you get any better than that. Finishing move names, the long arm of the law. Maybe that could be like, was that Big Boss Man? Did he call his Boss Man Slam that for a while? The long... Um, I, I just know it is the Boss Man Slam, but let's call it that. I think I think maybe I've someone that like just maybe someone who's a really hardcore 1980s fan might be saying no, you've just lifted that from Boss Man. I don't know. Maybe I have. I'm not sure. But or maybe the long arm of the um, or maybe that's what Brum's uncle Ray called his finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the long arm of the law, the strong arm of the law. It's a, that's the long strong. I'm trying to think of what the actual phrase is, but it should be a lariat anyway for Matty yeah. Laws. I like the idea of Matty Laws being a non-wrestler and being a, a like Clarence Mason type. And if like something has happened where someone feels unjust, like their foot was under the rope, but they lost the match, out comes Matty Laws. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. I was thinking maybe he's like uh, Judge Jeff Jones, the exactly. manager for Mike yeah, Awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think when he, when he does uh, promos, you know how like sometimes wrestlers have names for their fans, you know, like Edgeheads or Canaanites yeah. or whatever. Maybe they, they could be called the law-abiding citizens. <laughs> Mate, this shit writes itself. Matt, you're wasting yourself reading DMs. Uh, get yourself into the wrestling industry, mate. Absolutely. Next up, we've got The King. who's really hard to gauge. He just is the king. And he just says, this is my user 233. So there's not too much to go by beyond the fact that he's the king and he's got 233 means something to him. What exactly? We're not sure. Do you think this is actually Nick Gage? 
I'm pretty sure you, you said the king is really hard to gauge. And straight away, I was like, did you just say the king, Nick Gage? <laughs> uh, two, three, three. I'm like, I mean, it's probably just a generic user code, right? But like, maybe it's his, like, maybe he does a 619 and that's his postcode, the 233 or something. Yeah. So um, I've just looked up 233 and it's a prime number. It's a Fibonacci number. Wow. So we could be going down some kind of math route or. You could be going down the 233 bus route, which takes you towards Swanley. <laughs> <laughs> so I really hope this is not Nick Gage because I don't want to get stabbed. But uh, what you're saying is he's either a number nonce or a bus wanker. Bus wankers! <laughs> <laughs> but he's um, also a very nice man on Twitter. So mate, I'm not saying that. He, it's just the, a bit of a fun gimmick. <laughs> yeah, King. King, we appreciate your support, uh, mate. We are. <laughs> please, please don't hurt me. Uh, direct all hate mail to Wrestling Should Be Fun on Twitter via Ross Casey. <laughs> uh, we love you, dear listeners. Uh, next up, we've got Mark, who goes by Wrestle Mobs, who's an Irish aspiring wrestler. Opinions are his own. He's a contributor to Body Slam Net and Wrestling Inc., and he's got good vibes only. I know a lot of Irish people named Mark. It seems to be like anytime I meet an Irish fella, they're always named Mark, including the local publican at my favourite pub in North London, the Winchmore. It's run by an Irish bloke called Mark, and he's a gin connoisseur. So, Mark, maybe you could be the publican. I think that would be a good gimmick. You know, you, yeah, the publican. And you, yeah, gin connoisseur, over 60 types of gins. I'm trying to think what we'd call some, some, uh, some finishing moves around gin. Or pints or something. Gin, gin sanity, gin. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah, it's, it's not easy off the top of your head, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> and yet that number nonce one came straight to me. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we've got Billy the Goat, who goes by the handle Play Z Game. On this page, you'll find wrestling content, video game clips, tabletop role playing games. Stay a while and listen from Olympia WA. Right. Billy the Goat, is that a Will Ospreay reference? Surely. Must be, right? Ross, you'll be able to tell me. Have we ever had a full-blown gimmick that's like proper role-play, like Dungeons and Dragons type of thing? I don't think we have, no. Maybe Billy the Goat, that could be you. And like, maybe you could, um, you know, in your matches, right, if, if you have your opponent prone, you have to roll a dice to see what move you're going to hit next. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, but it'd have to be like a big novelty giant die. <laughs> Absolutely massive one. And it's like, oh, it's a three body slam. I think that might work for you, Billy the Goat. Thank you very much for your uh, for your support. Also, it means that you could do a um, six moves of doom because you've only got six moves. <laughs> yes, brilliant, brilliant. But the problem is, in the words of Kevin Nash, they all hurt like hell. <laughs> That's a call-up sheet. Thanks so much for asking for your new gimmick. And I think that was a pretty fun one. So uh, we'll let you know that you had your shout out once the pod is released. Yep. Sorry, King. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got a bit to talk about with what the nerds are watching this week, haven't we, Ross? We've uh, a bit of wrestling going on. Um, sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. First up, well, I guess we should talk about progress. Progress 24-7 on Sunday afternoon over there at the Electric Forum in Camden. The uh, wrestling should be fun. Roll call. Watch me forget some people. It was Casey, Philp, 
Connolly, Brummett, who had to run off with an emergency at home at intermission. Uh, we had Isan, the, I don't know Isan's last name. Uh, we had the young lad, Oscar, uh, who new to the group. We had uh, Harris. We had Harry, not Harrison. Harry was there. Who else was there, Ross? Who am I forget? John, Johnny Collins. Yep. Johnny Collins and uh, young Wes. And, oh, and Sammy Wes. It number one dressed. in my heart, number the last one in my brain, apparently. Dressed for, um, what did you say? He came dressed for. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I was just surprised. He rocked up with a button up top on it. I was like, mate, are you going to a wedding? Because <laughs> it, it was just hot. Uh, yeah, it was, it was sunny and warm. It was a beautiful London afternoon. And uh, we were just sort of sitting there in the, in the mixer, and Wes turned up. I almost didn't recognize him. He looked a million bucks. <laughs> he sure did. Yeah. Got a new job now. So, you know, he's moving on up. And good on him. Yeah. Also smoke bombed at the end of the show as well. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, more of that in a minute. How do you want to do this, Ross? Are you just going to walk us a bit through the card and we'll chime in with things we yeah, remember sure. throughout the afternoon? So first things first, sadly, uh, Dom had to leave us <laughs> almost straight away because... What? Why would you tell this story? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I thought it would add to your uh, to your Uber Eats story. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, did, I I rocked up at the pub and before I had my first pint. I had to go for a little walk to find a more accommodating public bathroom than the one in the good mixer. <laughs> you found it, and then I was ready to go. <laughs> um, and then obviously we had the much more sadder news that um, unfortunately Swerve Strickland was unable to make the flight to London. So we um, were unable to get the rematch between Nick Wayne and Swerve, which was a big old shame. And something that obviously was disappointing for us as big Progress fans were just happy to be going to Progress shows. Who's on those shows is kind of secondary to the fact that we're going to shows with a group of our mates. But I know for a lot of people, a lot of people may have just bought a ticket based off the fact that AEW's Swerve was on the show. And obviously that's a big shame and something that, may need to be looked at in terms of the amount of imports that they bring in. But the show itself was amazing, and we're going to go for it now. Starting off with Sunshine Machine defending their tag titles against Leon Slater and Ricky Knight Jr. in what was a stupendous opening match. Yeah. Couldn't say enough kind things about the match itself. Just ridiculous shit, right? a balcony dive and like the proper balcony as well in the opening match from Ricky Knight Jr. Also that mate, that kid, fuck, he hits hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's a strong style wrestler when you see him come out of the apron, but boy, does he hit hard. He's a, I would love to see him against Luke Jacobs. I mean, I'm sure we will at some point soon. That's got to be a match that we'll see very, very soon. I'm pretty sure um, that producer Phil has said that that match has happened at Rev Pro already and that, he, and that it was a banger, obviously. Yeah, it wouldn't, like, I was just thinking it wouldn't surprise me now that Jacobs has got their, their Cruiserweight title, which is a bit strange considering he's the fat guy champ at Progress. <laughs> um, I'm allowed to say that. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they, they had a match for that title over there at Rev Pro at some point. Uh, but, yeah, just just ridiculous. I also know that um, RKJ, he must have done a lot of stuff uh, with uh, Mark Davis. That would be the other one that I would like to see. I, I don't think I've seen it at RevPro off the top of my head, but I can just imagine him and Davis chopping shit out of each other. Now, I'm the first to admit, dear listener, you know, like 
I'm always been one for the skill of wrestling is, you know, what Bret Hart says, the skill of wrestling is not hurting someone, but um, it is fun to watch people chop the shit out of each other every now and then. And, you know me, I'm a light tube guy, so uh, whatever. It's okay every now and then. Yeah, I think it was Chuck that was getting the uh, most of Ricky's chops, unfortunately for Chuck. Um, TK must have had a word backstage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> not, the, not, not the Samoan chest. <laughs> The beautiful, beautiful chest of TK Cooper. My, obviously, my main takeaway, and we had this conversation. I, I don't know if we, um, if we did it publicly on the pod, but I'm happy to um, just, just completely throw JCH under the bus. I think it was JCH I was talking to drunkenly at a previous progress show, and I said, right, this is what we're going to do. I've got Leon Slater and you've got Callum Newman like, over who's going to have the more mainstream successful career. And JCH is adamant that it's Newman. But I, the more I see this Leon Slater, oh, my goodness, this guy is fucking money. Someone signed that kid up. He's unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. He did the um, Montez Ford flip over the corner spot, and I think he almost cleared, like, the seventh row. <laughs> He's yeah. got unbelievable flight, hasn't he? Mate, he has got springs. I, I know you've, if you listen to the podcast every week, you're sick of this story, but never forget up north for that, um, that Rise Deathmatch show, and he opened up. And he was just standing in the ring and just from a standing start, just jumped up and headbutted the ceiling. <laughs> I just, like, I'm just, no, I just, just absolutely ridiculous skills. Like, I just, the springs on the ladder just, are just stupid. He wears the LA Lakers strip as well. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if we found out that he plays a bit of ball. Uh, but yeah, just, just a ridiculous athlete who I would say that the Brit rest scene is lucky to have him by the look of it because that. That kid, fuck, he is money. And yeah. if, you, if you're looking for an on-screen manager, Leon, if you're listening, if you're looking for a six-foot-six Aussie to do a bit of talking for you while you do the athleticism, I'm here. And I, I want him mind, on the ground floor of Leon Slater. And I didn't mind at all the, the like storyline of two guys who previously fought against each other at the previous shows that we've been to, and they've kind of got a mutual respect because they kind of went to hell together in that match where they just beat the hell out of each other. I don't mind that at all. I know it's a bit of a thrown together tag team, but it worked. And in terms of putting together an opening match, it's going to get you excited for a show. This almost did too much. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was. I heard some people say that they thought it was the match of the card. You know, it's hard to argue with that. But the the whole card was really, really strong. So, I mean, I, I did, I, I'm not 100% sure, but... Yeah, just just unbelievable. Mambo and TK, I can't say enough kind things. I said, I, I just happened to catch uh, TK at the merch stand at intermission. And I just sort of said, I'm like, mate, like, I'm kind of getting sick of telling you every month about how good your match was. And he said, yeah, that's right. I'm getting sick of hearing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, those, those lads are on fire. Yeah, I think moving forward, they've also said that um, they want to break the progress tag record of most successful defences. And I think they oh. said it's seven. I think that they're more than capable of doing it and they're going to put on great matches throughout. And next up is Brendan White and Danny Jones. Yeah. Uh, just when this happened, like maybe the second biggest pop out of me for the evening was was when TK and Mambo, they were talking about tag teams that were on their bucket list and they called out and name dropped the Kings of Wrestling. Oh, and yeah. I, and yeah. Like, yeah. So if, you, if you're not too sure, dear listener, the Kings of Wrestling is the tag team name of uh, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli. 
And I think it was, you know, Brum at night has looked at each other because we're both, you know, big kings of wrestling marks. And um, we were like, are they allowed to say that on the microphone in progress? Like, that's just like completely out of the blue. There is no chance that's ever going to happen. But fuck, I'll pay a hundred pounds. There you go, progress. If you're listening, I'll pay a hundred pounds if you get Claudio and Hero in. Well, you say that it won't happen, but, you know, we had the Ring of Honor champion at the start of the year. What's saying that we won't have the Ring of Honor champion at the end of the year? Yeah, it's the Kings of Wrestling. It, that, it's a much, much bigger get than Gresham in my mind. And I, I mean, no disrespect to Gresham. I think he's fantastic. One of the best wrestlers in the world. But Hero at the moment, he's not even really on any shows. But bloody hell, I, I would move heaven and earth for it. Yeah. Next up, we had the fun and games of LK Mezinger against Big Guns Joe. LK, of course, coming off the back of a terrible win-loss record. I think it's Norton 7 or something in progress. He was supposed to face Thomas Dawkins, but he unfortunately has an ankle injury. And Spike Trebe obviously made that very clear that he's making it all about himself again and that he's not doing as he was told. And he put himself through hell in matches and he's got a little bit of a bad ankle and now he's not turning up. And <laughs> Spike Trebe, honestly, his heel promo was amazing. Well, the best bit was when he did SoCal Val's accent. <laughs> Thunder bastard. <laughs> the old Thunder bastard. <laughs> <laughs> He's just an awful person, isn't he? <laughs> Mate, I fucking love him so much. <laughs> so LK came to the ring with a new gimmick from my point of view. I don't think I've ever seen him do this gimmick. I'm sure that he's been doing it on other shows because he seems to have it down uh, where he's uh, got a bowling ball. <laughs> What's your gimmick, mate? Carry a bowling ball. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's got like this proper bowling gimmick and he was announced as representing Bowlerama. And he's from the Hackney Super Bowl or something like that. Yeah. You know what? It just reminded me, and I it, this might be a dated reference. I tried to mention it to a few people. I said, there's a character in a film called Mystery Men, who is it's about all sort of reject superheroes. And one is called The Bowler. And it's it just reminded me so much of that. Oh, you know what? Like, fair play. It was actually really entertaining, right? Like, it's the most entertained I've been by OK uh, Messenger before. So I was like, yeah. yeah, mate, fair play. Go for it, brother. And... Like, Massive props to the ref in this match in particular, where they had to try and get the bowling ball out. And the gimmick is that the bowling ball is so heavy, but LK yeah. can pick it up with ease. The, yeah, way, yeah. the way that the ref sold how heavy the ball was, and he was in the corner, like bowled, like literally bowled into a ball himself, <laughs> facing on the opposite direction to the action, so that LK could kind of cheat in a way. Yeah. <laughs> It was hilarious. It, and the fact that it went on for as long as it went on for made it even funnier because it went on yeah. for, what, 90 seconds? <laughs> oh, mate, it would have end the rest. It might have been longer than that. The referee was Oscar as well, um, Oscar Harding. And it was long enough that Matt Connolly yelled the word Oscar uh, at least 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar, um, not what? Oh. So, so this match kind of played into comedy but wasn't entirely comedy because... Big Guns Joe, the previous kind of comedy character, is now starting to show himself as a proper wrestler, right? He's yeah. gone through, well, he didn't go through him. He ran into and fell down against um, <laughs> Luke Jacobs in an absolute tra travesty of a match where it was just an absolute morning, wasn't it? But he got himself over by withstanding some incredible shots from Jacobs during Super Strong Style. And he's followed that on with a kind of a more serious side of himself in this match. And he got the win in this match. And I think he's going to kind of drop the kind of silliness of Big Guns Joe character and become a bit of a thing, 
which is great for him. Something that Jack Gallagher did to a lesser extent. When he first came in, he was kind of leaning more into the silliness of his character and then became a proper wrestler. And I think that's what Big Guns Joe is doing here. Yeah. And I think there's an opportunity in progress for some characters like that to rise up, you know. If he puts together more good matches like he has that with Jacobs and uh, Messenger, there's no reason that people won't see him as like a, a proper hard ass that doesn't matter, you know, how tall he is or anything like that. He's big, he's strong, and he can mow people down. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if he um, if he put a few wins together and had another shot at Jacobs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That would be a great um, yeah, like which I I'd be here for. I mean, it just yeah, these two guys are just quietly starting to capture a little bit of the imagination of the crowd there on Sunday. Both of them uh, came out with big positives, I think. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, tricksters and scamps, deviants, rogues, misfits and fabs, to the unique and the strange in the crowd and on the stage. Welcome to the show. And talking about big positives, the next match was so much fun. We are wrestling should be fun. And if wrestling should be fun, put on a card, this would probably main event it. <laughs> it's Charles Crowley against Maggot in just a masterpiece of entertaining a crowd. Yeah. I didn't have too many like major takeaways. Just the fact that Crowley, I think I mentioned on, on the show day, I described him as far as a as a sleeping giant of a babyface. When the time comes for Crowley to be full-blown babyface in progress, he's going to be over like fucking nothing else. It's going to be like Jack Sexsmith sort of shit because it's because it started from the ground and it's been built slowly and slowly every month more and more of a reaction people are getting like quietly behind him more but he just he just keeps managing to do something a little bit you know dare I say I hate using the industry language but you know heelish in order to get the crowd to boo him once more but you can just you can just feel it in the boring tell me if you disagree Ross but people are just clamoring now to get behind this guy and cheer him already and the, the longer that progress can keep using Crowley's brilliance to put it off, when he does go that way, it's going to be absolute monster babyface turn. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. And I think that's telling by the fact that as he left the ring after this match, as a heel, people were chanting, thank you, Crowley. Like, yeah. that's, the, that's the crowd telling the progress management that, you know, they're ready to cheer this dude. Yeah. Yeah, like he's... He's just really charismatic. Just little things about his his whole makeup. It, it just really captures the imagination of the crowd. I I know no one more than you, Ross. So I, I know that you'll be the his number one fan. Oh, big time! Um, and the fact that they've announced Santos Junior for the next show at the ballroom. Please, please, please book that match. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be brilliant. And let Oscar referee it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next up, we had the finale of the first half, the match that should have been the uh, rematch between Swerve and Nick Wayne, and it became Nick Wayne versus Robbie X. Uh, Robbie X taking up the mantle of the flippy guy to face Nick Wayne, and even though he had a match later on in, in the card, he took it upon himself to put himself on the map. Um, obviously, Nick Wayne is getting plenty of social traction, especially on Twitter with the amount of gifts and things that are going around with his matches against Osprey and Swerve and what have you. And there was plenty more after uh, this match where Robbie X and Nick Wayne put on an absolute 
masterclass of cruiserweight wrestling. Yeah. They announced Robbie X, or he, he has himself announced now as the best cruiserweight in the world. And fuck, it's hard to argue. Every time I see this guy, I'm absolutely blown away. I don't know, it's not. I think, Ross, you actually undersell it a bit when you said flippy guy. And I know, I know you just say it as a term that a lot yeah. of people use. I don't think you actually mean it as a, as a full description. But there's a lot more to both of these guys than just flips, I'll tell you. I think Robbie X knows how to lay out a match, a proper match. I think he's been doing it for long enough. And he's a lot younger than what you think as well. Now, um, Nick Wayne himself, only 17, right, I think. But, and you think, like, I mean, we've been watching Robbie X for what feels like 10 years, but he himself, I think, is only 25 or something like that. Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, two young guys with the world at their feet. I mean, I know I've sort of, it sounds like I'm just fucking rinse, repeat. It's like uh, eat, sleep, rave, repeat or something that I'm saying. But every single person on this card, young, hungry, and just feels like they're really gaining some steam. Robbie X is right there. In particular this year, he must be gaining so much experience and confidence. He's faced Strickland, he's faced Aramis, he's faced Ninja Mac, he's faced Nick Wayne, he's faced Kip Sabian, all in the last three, four months. And from what we've seen, he doesn't look like, oh, it's a star and Robbie X. Robbie X arguably is the standout wrestler in these matches. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And now, like, you know, especially having faced Nikki, like Nikki Wayne and, and uh, Ninja Mac, like, all I'm thinking, like, I know Joe Lando, he's heading over to GCW later on this year to make his debut. Yeah. But, like, Robbie X, mate, get your passport ready, son. Someone's got to come knocking on your door very soon if you keep having these performances. Like, all it's going to take is for Robbie X to go for one weekend in a GCW. And, like, that's, we're never going to see him again. That's going to be it. Yeah, very much like how we see these um, cruiserweight guys come over for super strong and we don't know who they are. And then by the end, we're like, yeah, now we know why they're going to be the next big three. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and we've seen it before. I know we don't like to talk about them too much, but we saw it with Skrull. We saw it with Offspray. We saw it with Sabre. As soon as they went and they did um, PWG's big bowler, as soon as they went and did bowler, all three of them, and Tommy End as well, all four of them made their American name through Bowler and then we just never saw him again. Like Robbie X, mate, Excalibur, let's have him in fucking Bowler, please. I don't even know if Excalibur's involved with PWG anymore, but still, Super Dragon, Robbie X for Bowler, please. Big time, big time. But yeah, WSBF loves Robbie X and uh, hopefully um, he'll be able to be on a podcast at some point. That would be great before he gets far too big for us and far too expensive for us. Was this when the announcement then happened in the promo? I don't want to step on the... Um, uh, yeah, just... I think it was, yeah, FE. So I mentioned earlier my... I said that something... What was I just talking about? My second... Oh, yeah, the Kings of Wrestling was my second biggest pop of the night. My biggest pop was when um, on the screen comes the announcement that at the September chapter, we're going to have Effie in progress. And I was really excited about that announcement and then my head exploded when the graphic on the screen was interrupted by my man, Tate Mayfairs, cutting a promo on Effie. It's going to be Effie versus Mayfairs in September. And I just, it's like progress of reading my fucking diary. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I just, unbelievable areas. Effie versus Mayfairs. Thank you very much. Take my fucking money. Yeah. Um, you weren't the only one uh, to be losing this shit. I remember 
Matt Connolly being in the bathroom and then coming out and us telling him what was happening and he almost fell into the wall. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, like, and I say that though, and now I'm going to taper myself a little bit. I do also wonder though, and I know this is now the third or fourth time that I've mentioned GCW. Of course, we're going to with a show that's got Nicky Wayne on it. But like, I wonder whether I maybe, let's just use me as an example. I wonder if maybe I think GCW is more popular in the UK than what it actually is. Because I thought that Effie, I don't know if it's because people were walking out for intermission or what, but I thought that Effie might have even got a bigger reaction than what he did. Honestly, I look at Effie as a wrestling absolute superstar on the level of, you know, as big of an independent wrestler as there is in the world and most influential and very, very important. I really thought that some people were sort of like, oh, who's that? Yeah, yeah, no. I don't know, because I was so much in a bubble of being around you guys and it was so yeah, nice yeah. around us that I didn't really gauge the rest of the audience, to be honest, mate. Yeah, I hope that I'm wrong, you know. Or, or you know what, maybe Effie wouldn't give a shit about that. Maybe that would just be Effie saying, okay, cool, I've got a new audience to win over and, and you know, and take them through, take them down the yellow brick road, you know. But Exactly that, mate. And like you just explained with the Robbie X at a potential PWG show, like... We know what what F is capable of, and put him in a in a progress ring against Tate Mayfair's, who has showed time and time again in a progress ring that he can captivate a crowd. It's going to be perfect. I think that's a great booking. Yeah. Anyway, like I know, I know that I'll be there. That's going to be a big old weekend for me. I will tell you. <laughs> uh, Uber eats. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Where's the window? Uh, for Christ's sake, mate. My <laughs> my my girlfriend doesn't listen to any wrestling podcast let alone my own but uh, a little bit of a warning holly don't say i didn't warn you uh, you will not see me of the weekend of the 14th to the 18th of september <laughs> yeah next up we had eliza alexander and lana austin against alexis falcon and raven creed in a match that cost me about 20 quid absolutely outstanding absolutely outstanding so fresh back from intermission and straight into a shot round and it was a big shot round and the standout from this match really was the spot where uh raven creed kind of got tied to the ring post with her own straight jacket i think yeah it was a cool thing wasn't it yeah it was a great visual It it really was and then that allowed sort of lana austin to take advantage and her and Eliza managed, you know, Eliza Alexander did the damage and Lana Austin came in and got the pin over Alexis Falcon, wasn't it? So Yeah, and um, I had Alexis Falcon in the shot round, which meant that if you get pinned in the match, then you have to buy the shots. And I was pretty angry about it because my tag team partner was fucking <laughs> strapped to the post. <laughs> <laughs> so I did what any good person would do and I bought shots that everyone would hate, which was dark rum. Yeah, they were fucking awful. <laughs> Just absolutely awful. Yeah. There was only one person that hated those shots more than I did. That was Oscar. <laughs> nice yeah. to meet you, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the family, fella. <laughs> and next up, we had probably the match that I think as a group in wrestling should be fun by the bar we were probably the most invested in this match Chris Ridgway the brand new champion the killer of our heroes Warren Banks and Gene Money defending for the first time against Dean Ormark who I think thanks to us being so behind Dean Ormark we got that crowd behind Dean Ormark just as much as Dean Ormark did (laughs) I thought this match was fantastic there's going to come a point 
where progress is going to start paying us to come to these shows to make sure that the baby faces get cheered. Fucking <laughs> like, hell. You are right. And I think the crowd for the like predominantly were behind Allmark, especially our corner of the crowd. I think maybe a few of the people that were in front of us got a bit annoyed at some of the some of the swearing at Ridgeway from certain members of the wrestling should be fun community. But um <laughs> I'm looking at that and I'm sort of like, I was having trouble figuring out why there were people who were still trying to cheer Ridgeway. Yeah, um, people people are are invested in Ridgeway. I know Oscar is as well. Yeah. Um and he was cheering Ridgeway. We, we like Ridgeway. That's not what I mean. We all like Ridgeway. Like quite, oh, yeah. I really like Ridgeway. I think he's a fantastic wrestler. I'm glad he's on the shows. I'm happy for him carrying that belt. I think it's good to have a fresh face, etc. On the other hand, Warren Banks and Gene Money are my guys and you fucking kicked him in the face. And Dean Ormark is my drunk uncle at my barbecue. Leave him alone, you mean <laughs> prick. And also us enjoying the work of Ridgeway is the reason that we're giving him such a hard time because yeah. that's what he wants as a heel champion. We've said it before. You don't, you boo for him. Yeah. You know, that's what that is. It's yeah. Jimmy Ray, you don't throw toilet paper at him. You throw toilet paper for him. It's what he wants. Absolutely. May you rest in peace. Yeah. But this match, I absolutely love this match. Heel versus face. We got a few kind of moments where, Allmark looked like he was out of it and then somehow he kicked out. I think he kicked out at one at one point, which always gets the big pot. Yeah. Um, and then we also got Allmark getting a 2.9 on Ridgeway, something that I think obviously so many people were just 100% on the fact that Ridgeway was going to win this match because he has just won Super Strong Style. Makes no real sense to take the title off him after one chapter. But they did an amazing job by getting the crowd to buy those near falls. Amazing job. I just wanted to make mention... It looked to me that Allmark has worked really hard to get himself into even better shape. Definitely looked to me like he's trimmed down quite a lot. Uh, maybe even, I'm not great with the stuff, but maybe even um, in the range of 10 to 15 kilos, but, which is a cut stone. He looked fucking excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I'm absolutely gutted that um, Brum wasn't there for this match because I know he's a big Allmark fan. Yeah. I didn't have too much knowledge of Allmark before he came into progress, but he didn't look out of place in a main event for a world championship. And that's the highest compliment I can give him. Yeah. And there was a lovely little touch when he was kind of hobbling back to the backstage area and he kind of looked into our corner and gave us a little point as if like, thanks for that guys. That was a nice moment. Yeah. That is Next up was a match where I felt really suffered from being face versus face. And that's Candy versus Laura Di Matteo. Candy obviously got herself super over in that two out of three formats match at Super Strong Style, which I always bang on about how great it was. And I know people are probably bored of me talking about how great I thought that match was. And in this match, people weren't really getting behind Kanji because Laura Di Matteo is a face champion. And it was suffering from the exact same situation that Ridgeway was, where people didn't believe that she was going to lose the title because she just won it. Yeah, but that's right. Even, but, even more than face versus face. I think that's what it is. But at least in the Ridgeway match, it was face versus heel, so you could kind of cheer for it to want to happen. In this match, you didn't want it to happen. You didn't necessarily really want Laura Dimitero to win, but you didn't want to boo Laura Dimitero because she's a face. It was an awkward situation set up. And then once the match had finished, in that kind of awkward moment where had Kaji actually knocked Laura Dimitero out and the match got called off, then Laura Dimitero comes too and she snaps and she turns heel on Kanji which I understand 
makes sense in terms of okay now you've set these characters up for a future match but i don't know could like could this have been set up so that we didn't have to go through the awkwardness of the match itself in some way like could the turn have happened in a promo yeah. like pre-match or could they have been in a tag team together against two heels maybe yeah and then the same finish happens yeah and Di Matteo blames Kanji for her being knocked out by the opponents or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was just a shame because the ballroom was absolutely fizzing after that Ridgeway match. And for whatever reason, well, we've gone through the possible reasons why it was, the match fell a bit flat, which is a shame because because I really like both wrestlers here. Um, but I think that the return match, if we get it, hopefully we should get it. I think it will be a far better match for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think so. I think so, yeah. Completely agree. And that took us to the main event. which was a Thunderbastard match, which is something that I haven't seen for a while. I'm actually trying to think of the last time that I saw it live, at least. The last one was the women's one, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I'm talking about the men's one. Like, live, it might have even been the Wembley one, which me and you don't really remember. <laughs> uh, well, I've got to be honest, I was getting a bit hazy by this point as well on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your memories of, <laughs> of this Thunderbastard match? So my... Most of the story to me was tied into our shot round. <laughs> yeah. I was mostly worried about Oscar because he pretty much told me that he was out of money. And I was like, well, you can't be in this shot round, mate. He's like, nah, to be right, I just won't lose. And then we picked out for him, him and Connolly were together and they got um, money and come on, Ross, help me. They had money and they had... Someone uh, else we expected to do really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, who did they have? Robbie X, I think. It might have been. It might have been. I thought it... No, no, no. Axel, Axel, Axel. Okay. Yeah. They had money and Axel. And I was I was more worried about them losing than me losing because Connolly lost the big 100-pound shot round at the anniversary show <laughs> as well. Like, and I was like, these guys are going to lose and they're going to hate me. I was just really worried about them losing. Um, and then Axel and money came out first. And I was like, oh, hello, lads. Maybe, maybe, you never know that you could be okay here. You could be safe. Money did something that I really enjoyed. He didn't have the microphone or anything like that, but to start the match, he says to Tisha, he goes, hey, I've seen Royal Rumbles before, and this is what we should do. Let's just get chairs and sit down for three minutes and save ourselves, and then whoever comes in number three, we'll just throw them out. Good tactic. And I was like, and I was like you're a fucking genius. <laughs> genius. Very good. But Tisha just likes fighting, so there they went. Ross, run us through who else was in there. Who else sort of came in and impressed? Robbie X. Yeah, Robbie X. Kid Like Us. <laughs> was the first one out. Classic. He basically said that he that he didn't fancy it and that uh, Kid Like Us 2 was doing it. <laughs> Kid Like Us, by the way, who I don't know if anyone noticed this little wrinkle. If you follow the Instagram, you may have seen it. He was wearing Odd Future socks. Odd Future, of course, nicknamed the Wolfgang, which I just thought was brilliant. So Kid Lycos, the shitty little wolf wearing Wolfgang socks. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was a nice wrinkle. Probably there weren't many people in the in the ballroom that probably got that reference. I don't know if Progress has a big crossover with Tyler, the creator, but um, I, I certainly enjoyed it. I thought that was great. <laughs> that was great. And considering how drunk you were, impressive spot. <laughs> yeah. And I, I may, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was happy with it. I was happy with it. So Lycos 2 was the first one out. 
And then we were left with the rest of the seven. Danny Black was in last. And yeah, so it was basically a seven man straight up match at that point because everyone else was in. And some interesting little storyline nuggets that came out of this that I thought were quite interesting. We had man like Darice being pinned by Maloney. Um, yeah. Maloney obviously had just been kind of blinded by Spike Trevay. So storyline wise, he didn't know who was who he was pinning. He just saw a body, I guess, like kayfabe wise. That's a little wrinkle that can potentially be played upon in future chapters. I think that's quite an interesting little thing. Obviously, Spike blinded Maloney and Maloney has called out Spike now for a future show. So that's another little nugget moving down the line. So that's interesting. Another interesting thing to me was that Money wasn't in the last two. I think the storyline of Gene Money is quite interesting now, especially with Warren Banks out for seemingly a year with a torn rotator cuff. That's something to little talk about as well on here, is that obviously when we had Warren Banks on and he said that he was going to the physio and they said it's pretty bad, turns out it was really bad. He was wrestling yeah. with a torn rotator cuff in those brutal matches against Ridgeway and stuff. Unbelievable. Shout Warren- out to Banksy if you're listening, mate. Get well soon, brother. We miss you. Yeah. And obviously him and Money were kind of kind of a tag team without being a tag team going into that super strong style because of their past. Then the kind of last shot of super strong style wasn't actually of Ridgeway. It was of the pair of them, one wearing a, a yeah. crutch and Banks like having, having had his he- head caved in. And I think there's a really interesting story to tell there between those two. Now that Banks isn't there and Money has now lost Super Strong Style, the thing that he fought for for three years to get into. Then he lost the Thunderbastard match without even getting into the last two. I think there's going to be an interesting story around the corner for Gene Money. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think his story for the rest of the year is going to be really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, match continues. That fucking driller from Maloney is just ridiculous. As far as I'm concerned, it's between that and the Brody King fucking driver as just the most, the Ganzo bomb, just like ridiculous maneuvers. I just wince every time I see it, like fair play um, to do that safely. And we come out with, you know, not what, as far as I'm concerned, there's not the biggest surprise in the world, Spike Trevay, who now has a future title shot anytime he likes. Uh, it is symbolized with a key rather than a briefcase, which I don't mind that. So Spike Trevay holds the key to his future is the metaphor there. And he already used the key as a weapon within the match to help him win, which I thought was kind of cool as well. It wouldn't surprise me if Trevay held on to that for quite some time. I can't really see him cashing in on a heel Ridgeway, but what do I know? Yeah, I think the longer that Trevay holds that key over the progress and its fans, the better for the storyline, but... It goes without saying that there's a lot more story to be told with uh, Cara and Trevay as well. So I think it might be a little while, but I, for one, look forward to a time when Lord Spike Trevay is Progress World Champ. I think he's ready now. Um, he could be ready yesterday. I just enjoy everything he touches. Yeah. I haven't got enough good things to say about Spike Trevay. I love watching him. I love booing him. I love cheering for anyone that's wrestling against him. <laughs> so, yeah. This run of him now with this key that looks a bit like it's from the show Fort Boyard, if you remember that show. <laughs> for, for our Australian listeners, it looks like it's from the children's game show. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm super pumped for where this storyline goes. And 
drawing the curtain back a little bit, I know that we had the podcast with Lee McAteer and we mentioned how much we're enjoying the storyline. And he said about the Thomas Dawkins stuff that it's far, far from over. So yeah, super excited about it. It was absolutely the right booking call to put this key in the hands of Spike Trevay. And yeah, super excited to see what comes of it. So it was another great show for me. Yep. And some of the most fun I've had for a long while as well. Brilliant stuff. Uh, if you're, you know, we, we had McAteer on, Progress Custodian, and just honestly, uh, we can't say enough good things about Progress. We're not on the payroll. We're just fans, and we have been for eight, for me, eight years. Ross, probably not longer than that. Just if you're on the fence, come down. Come down, and you can come and say hello to us. Come find us in the corner. We swear a lot, but we're nice enough. Everyone welcome and um, just you won't regret it. It's just the best way to get drunk on a Sunday. Big time. And also a shout out to um, seeing a healthy looking James as well after his issues recently. That was great to see him back on his feet. And um, congratulations on another great show, James. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I just know that James doesn't like necessarily to be mentioned too much in the public eye. But yeah, we love you, bud. All right. Anything else you want to talk about for what the nerds are watching? Should we just shout out a fantastic Ring of Honor show over the weekend? Yeah. If you haven't seen the FTR versus Briscoe's match, go and do it right now. Stop this podcast. Turn yeah, this yeah. shit off. <laughs> I, what I would, I, would, I would suggest that if someone's an hour into listening to us talk about progress, they've probably already watched the Ring of Honor show. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing, like, People who are wrestling fans, if you're a big enough wrestling fan to tune into a podcast, you're probably not tuning in to get like the move by moves rundown of a show. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So uh, Ring of Honor is good. Go and support them as well. Also, um, shout out to Dax for surviving that doomsday. Ooh, that was scary. Yeah. Fantastic match. Like, no surprises. Like, I, I enjoyed the whole show, really. I thought, thought it was great. Joe yeah. Lethal was good. Just a shame that you can't pick that card for shit, mate. Oh, mate. Fucking pickums. It's just the less said about my pickums since about March, the better. <laughs> uh, what do we say when we're doing bad at pickums? It's not my fault. It's shit booking. Absolutely. That is yeah. the best excuse for, for a poor performance <laughs> in the pickums. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the round table, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's roundtable is talking the new uh, executive vice president of talent relations and head of creative in world wrestling entertainment, Triple H. And that's normally when I say this is the wrestling should be fun roundtable. So, dear listener, we are thinking a little bit about the big news of Vince McMahon's retirement in the roundtable this week, less about Vince and more about the future. The reason that this came up as our topic for this week's roundtable is like, well, Ross and I, we were just having a chat and I, I'm, I'm a school teacher. There's bingo for a lot of people at home. I'm on school holidays, so I actually had a bit of time to watch Raw uh, this week. I put it on yesterday uh, for the first time in quite a few weeks. And Ross said, did you enjoy it? I said, no, nah, not really. Like, I mean, I did not enjoy it, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a television show that just doesn't appeal to me that much anymore. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. I'm glad that a lot of people do enjoy it. There wasn't anything really that jumped out at me. I was just like, oh, okay, this is just a thing. It's just like, 
you know, brown smoke. It's just there. So, but then Ross said, well, do you have any ideas about what, you know, you'd like to see? Because we do now, you know, from hopefully SmackDown and next week's Raw, we might see, you know, under new management, maybe there's going to be some changes. And in a perfect world, what types of changes would we like to see from Triple H? Now he's at the helm of creative that might allow people like myself to enjoy the show a bit more. So that's kind of the the vibe of this week's roundtable. In a perfect world, what would we like to see? Now, I say a perfect world because a lot of people have already said, well, WWE, the way that they do things is too ingrained. What change is one man going to make? But we're in a vacuum here. What sort of things could be introduced to the WWE product um, from the new executive vice president of talent relations and head of creatives? Ross, what's first up for you? What's the hard-hitting stuff that you've got that you'd like to see? So the big thing for me with the WWE product across all the brands pretty much is please, please, please stop dropping storylines or changing them at a moment's notice without any explanation. I absolutely hate this. I'm a wrestling fan who loves storyline-driven, narrative-based wrestling. Don't get me wrong, I love the matches itself. But what really draws me in and what I get invested in is the storyline base of wrestling. And when you've got a head of creative who seemingly would just become disinterested with a story or change something to the point where it's entirely different to what it was at a moment's notice and not explain it, it really annoys me. And if Triple H can stop that happening, which was something that didn't really ever happen in NXT, hopefully that will make watching WWE a lot more palatable. The most recent version of this, I think, would be Max Dupree being brought in for weeks and weeks and weeks, saying that he's going to have a brand of wrestlers that he's going to have and they're going to be the best thing on SmackDown. Then eventually they get announced and Max Dupree's in the middle of the ring and he's giving them new names and he's explaining why they're the best thing in the world. Then two weeks later, Max Dupree doesn't exist on SmackDown and Maxine Dupree is now the head of SmackDown without any explanation of where Max Dupree is, why he's left. It's just jarring, and I hate it. And if we can get rid of that, I think that will make WWE palatable for a lot more people. Yeah. So, yeah, I I like the idea definitely of not just chopping and changing or that, but the idea of longer-term storytelling. I think most uh, WWE fans who would look at ways of improving would probably say the same. I just think it's a case of maybe give WWE fans a bit more credit as well. Like, yeah. there can be different types of storytelling all within a show. I mean, you got fucking three hours every Monday. Not everything has to be, like, in your face, remind us of what's going on. Um, the wrestler tells us and then the announcer recaps us and tells us. And, and then there's a highlights package five minutes later. Like, I think you have to be able to give the fans some credit that they're going to be able to follow a more subtle style of storytelling. And, you know, like, let us wait for a week and actually want to look forward to seeing what's going to happen next week. Like, not everything has to be paid off, like, that day or the next day or on social media, you know. Like, just give us a chance to let a story develop a bit more subtly over time. And I think you'll probably find out that wrestling fans are, for the most part, a bit more clever than what you think. 
especially especially if you change the rating and try to encourage a few more older fans to come back. I think that if you're looking for older fans, you're going to need maybe a little bit um, a little bit more subtlety in the storytelling. I think people have this idea of the Attitude Era about, oh, yeah, the reason that it's so successful is because it was car crash TV, which it was. But if I look back to the things that I enjoyed the most about the Attitude Era, it was the stuff like, you know, the ministry and, like, those sort of stories that took a while to, to develop, you know, the the McMahon-Helmsley story and the, the wedding with Test and all that stuff. You know, those, those were the things that I enjoyed. I'm completely on board with what you're saying, but... My main point in the kind of stop dropping storylines and changing them without explanation is that if the story writers don't seem to care about what this storyline is, or if it makes sense or not, then the fans aren't going to care. And if you don't care about the product, then you get people like you who are disinterested in it because, well, if they don't seem to have a care about where this is going, then why should I? Honestly, if you weren't invested in the storylines of Raw, why would you tune in? Because there is so much wrestling... Like if if you just want to watch a good match, you're not you're not going to put Raw on. I mean, I'm not the wrestling's not bad; it's good wrestling. But there's just literally hundreds of hours of wrestling a week at your disposal. If all you want is like the most athletic five star wrestling, you're not going to put Raw on. So it has to be storytelling for me. If they want, and, and I'm, I don't, I don't. Uh, again, I have to say I don't hate there would be or anything like that. I'll tune in when I have the time. I'm not against watching it. But if, if they want me to actually want to make time for it when I've got a fucking job and a girlfriend and, like, you know, I'm a 34-year-old man, it's going to have to be storytelling. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio in a tag match. Did you have any others on your list? Oh, yeah. I had a couple of things that I just thought. I said, uh, partially in that booking, I think there could be an opportunity to maybe just alter the way that, like, the championships are booked a little bit as well. If you think about the best championships at the moment in WWE or the most important championships, they've got to be the ones that have been held by the people for the longest time, right? So Roman and the Usos probably, maybe the the championships with the most like prestige. Yeah, I, I know people have been saying this for, for years that, you know, long-term champions, uh, we need to see more of them in WWE rather than quick title changes. And I, I just think that mid-card championships might need longer term champions as well and i just think there might be an opportunity with uh mid-card champions that are more of your work rate sort of guys it just it feels like that's the way it was in the past and i don't know if it actually was maybe i'm just looking with rose tinted glasses to the to the 90s but i don't know do you have any like i'm just trying to think off the top of my head who would be the best work rate guys to put a mid-card champion uh, that's a terrible disrespectful term to the intercontinental title so i'm just going to call it the intercontinental and u.s title what about putting them on someone like, and this kind of ties into one more dot point I have, but someone like a Pete Dunn and having a long-term reign and just let's go, like you just go and make, let's see what you can do then. You, you're meant to be the best wrestler in the world. Well, let's see if you can put some importance on this championship. Yeah. And, and obviously that, that Walter has the title, hasn't he? I haven't seen SmackDown for a while. So maybe that is happening with Walter in the Intercontinental. Yeah, he hasn't had too many matches. It's been more kind of um, getting the character of the new Gunter over with this new stuff where he basically presides over Ludwig and kind of disciplines Ludwig after matches and stuff, which is pretty cool. A nice little wrinkle to his character. So Ludwig is Axel Dieter Jr., right? Yeah. So, But he's wrestling most weeks. That's the story. Ludwig wrestles all the time and Walter 
Yeah, and kind of just sorry, Gunter, good. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not being a prick, Gunter. Sorry, and just kind of berates him from the outside. And win or lose, he'll just chop him after the match. <laughs> yep, mate. I don't, mate. I don't mind it. That like it's something. At least he, at least he's on screen every week, and he's got a title. And that sounds like they're building the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Who, for example, do you think they're building towards to to wrestle Gunter for the title? Well, they've already established it. It's going to be Nakamura, and that is just a bit of a dream match, isn't it? Has <laughs> that at SummerSlam or? Hasn't been announced for SummerSlam. I think it might just be on a SmackDown, which is a bit of a shame, but yeah. So that's the other thing. Why the, uh, like maybe some mid-card title matches that are important on pay-per-views? Yeah, especially with um, Roman kind of being champion and not always being on pay-per-views, not being on shows. Like It's a great opportunity to raise the bar for these mid-card championships, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Especially when you put the straps on Lashley and Volta, like you can't ask for two better wrestlers, really. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you are right. It's good. I mentioned about Pete Dunn. Yeah. I think under Triple H, maybe, uh, maybe there's an opportunity for established wrestlers to be themselves a bit more. Hopefully, I'm not saying that. Okay, now we have to use it. Make everyone use their real name. Let's go back to Walter and Pete Dunn instead of Gunter and Butch. Like, I'm I'm cool with characters, but maybe there might be some more freedom for wrestlers who we know are the best in the world to have their own voice and to present themselves a bit more freely. And well, some of my listeners will say, well, that's all well and good, but what do you mean, Dom? Well, what about promos? What about less scripted promos? Uh, what about promos that give people the opportunity? And fuck, if they, if they struggle, if they drown, well, at least you know, and at least it's going to shut up people like me, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they've actually started doing this. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but in the past two or three weeks on, I think it's called Raw Talk. Like the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always really liked talking smack, actually, back in the day. Champa has been doing some incredible work on the mic on those shows leading up to the tag team match with Logan Paul. Yeah. It's all over social, but if you're not on social, you're not seeing it. Like, yeah. So you're allowing Champa to impress a certain amount of people, but not everyone it, like it doesn't make sense to me but that's not just wwe like aew put out some incredible promos just for online like that yeah um, what's the guy from 2.0 menard uh yeah i i can't i don't know their new names really um but um there's like yeah, there's he did that one, amazing promo didn't he like two weeks yeah, ago yeah one daddy magic daddy daddy magic yeah after the yeah, blood yeah. Of guts match he did that incredible yeah. promo that wasn't on tv it's just like why would you not put that on your tv show <laughs> yeah I guess then some people who really like, you know, being the elite and stuff like that would say, no, nah, but it's special because it's almost like an, it's like an Easter egg or something, you know? I don't okay. know. Like, I don't know, just to me, those sorts of things are money-making things. Like, they draw people in. They're going to make you money. Yeah. Put them on your show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, like Raw, you got three hours. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, but I don't know. Talking about Champa, one of mine is to go back to actually allowing people to know who these people were from NXT and talk about their success on NXT. I find it bizarre that they've got a developmental system in NXT now where people get called up to the main roster and you're not allowed to really understand who they were or why they're important. Yeah. Like they just come on as a character and then you've got to learn who, who they are again. And time and time again, you get seemingly creative, get tired of the fact that they're not getting over. And it's like, well, you haven't really given them a chance. Not just even in your own system, but like 
I also don't mind talking about people's history in other promotions and stuff if it's there. And the short success that AJ Styles had at the start, they actually mentioned, you know, IWGP yeah. champion, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. why was well, he awarded that and not and, everyone else? And that one's so easy because Lesnar's been IWGP champion as well. So you can go the same championship that Brock Lesnar held. Like, yeah. stuff like that. Like, it's... I, I follow Newcastle in, in the Premier League. Imagine if we signed, I don't know, Mo Salah from Liverpool and all of a sudden we were like, oh, no, we can't mention that because we, we don't want to give any airtime to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, mate, like he scored fucking 200 goals for him. Like, we, you know, won the Premier League, Champions League. Like, just... Like, let's acknowledge it. It's like, it's fine. It's okay. Like we know that there are other wrestling companies out there. We know that it's the competition and like the developmental, it's like, Oh, imagine if we saw, you know, someone from our Academy came up and we didn't want to talk about how they scored a hundred goals. <laughs> yeah. In the academy. yeah. It's like, oh, okay. We've got to redesign Maddie Longstaff. <laughs> Hopefully though, this is something that is going to be implemented because I don't know if you saw this, but, Xavier Woods was on commentary for the Viking Raiders match because they're going to have a bit of a feud. And Xavier Woods ran through their um, tag history and was like, former Ring of Honor champions, former IWGP tag champions. So I don't know, maybe it's the start of this happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it can't hurt, right? No. <laughs> That's all I kind of had on my list as far as like things that came to mind straight away. Was there anything else for you? So I've got a few little ones. I recently watched Steve Austin's podcast on the network with Sami Zayn, and it's very, yeah. very good. I recommend listening to it. Obviously, someone who has got plenty to talk about from his indie days and NXT days, as well as his WWE run. So it's really interesting. And he mentioned on there that the thing that he thinks WWE struggles with sometimes is to merge when a character goes from one storyline to the next. He thinks that they could do a better job with characters wrapping up a previous storyline, merging into the next one which is something that I think is really quite cool, like something that I've not even really thought about. So like, for example, say if Owens and Zayn have their matches and then Owens loses and Zayn wins, Zayn goes on to a title kind of contention and Owens is left in like the mid card, that that kind of is played into for like a week or two with those characters where like they interact with each other based upon the win and loss record that, that, like, that they've just had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something that I've not really, even really thought about, like because wrestling does move at such, such a fast pace that like it would make sense to kind of like have a bit of a merge rather than just jumping from one thing into the next. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see what you're saying there. I'm just trying to think like what it would look like, like uh, on the screen specifically. I, I mean, I, I like the idea. Yeah, because I, I do think that that does happen a lot where like at the end of a feud, it's like, okay, what the fuck do we do now? Unless someone then is, is going to go for a title or whatever. It's like, well, we don't really know what's next. Yeah, so like, like let's say, for example, Owens versus Zayn was the blow-off match at a pay-per-view. The following Raw, they're just walking past each other in the backstage area, and like Zayn nods at him and is just like, I'm in the main event, this on yeah. and you've just lost your opening match or something along those lines, you know? Like, just, well, a, that's, like, just like a little that, nod. That's kind of like the idea that all wrestling fans talk about, like wins and losses mattering as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then another one, revamp Survivor Series. So I think Survivor Series with the Raw versus SmackDown thing has kind of run its course. Um, I think it probably peaked with the NXT involvement in 2019. And with the fact that obviously there's been such merging of the brands now where 
wrestlers go on SmackDown and then on Raw, even though they're just a SmackDown wrestler. I think that Survivor Series doesn't really work anymore. And there's not enough for you to get invested in for the person that wins it. Like nothing happens enough for a brand to win it. As I said, it's just forgotten about. It isn't mentioned throughout the rest of the year. We're the champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs some kind of revamp, whether that be getting rid of the four versus four stuff and it becomes like a tournament where like, for example, it's four Raw wrestlers, four SmackDown wrestlers, and it's an eight-man tournament at Survivor Series and the winner gets number 30 at the Rumble or something. You know, like it means something. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. I think you can do that as well as a traditional Survivor Series match. Yeah. Um, A bit of a deadly game. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least on my list is to please bring back UK takeovers. Yeah. I knew that that would be on your list for sure. (laughs) And obviously NXT UK is a bit of a baby for Triple H. So I can imagine that that will happen at some point. Yeah, I hope so. Did you ever end up listening to Trent Seven on that Mark Andrews BBC podcast? I didn't in the end, but you raved about it. Yeah, I would. Anyone listening here, I'll just be, I mean, I, Mark Andrews doesn't need any plugs from us. If you've listened to this, you've probably listened to that. But go and listen to that, especially the Trent Seven episode if you're interested in NXT UK. The way that Trent Seven talks about it and about how he would like to see it change and how he'd like to see it booked, I just think it's unbelievable. Like he was sort of talking about how he thinks it should be just a complete European touring brand. And like it, it should just be like, why would they not? Why are WWE wasting this brand by just having like these shows at BT Sport every now and then? Why not take it as a as a touring brand out, you know, shows in Dusseldorf and fucking Milan and you know, Broxbourne. Like just <laughs> like well, no, but like people would go to it just because it says WWE on the marquee. And it doesn't have to be stadiums, but Trent Seven was like, NXT UK should be the number one wrestling company in Europe, you know? It should be. There's no excuse for it not to be if it was run properly and people actually wanted to see it profit. Yeah. So I, I, I do, like, you are right. There is some potential there, 100%. Because they've got TV, why not tour it around? And why not make it important? And why not have takeovers and stuff like that? Like I said, I think definitely couldn't agree more. Especially when WWE are only able to come here, like, what, three times a year? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and like, even then, like, they often feel like house shows that, yeah, sure, it's great to see WWE superstars or whatever, if that's your thing, but... Geez, I'd much rather go and see a match with some stakes for a company that I follow week in, week out, you know? Absolutely. But that's just me. Yeah, no, cool. Great ideas. I I think we've managed to make that a fairly positive uh, conversation, right? And I'll tell you one thing. I, I definitely, you know, they I read something. I don't know how um, reputable the source was, but I read something that, you know, Triple H's first show that he himself is kind of writing without Vince or Dunn is going to be SmackDown this week. So... I'm definitely going to try to give SmackDown and Raw the time that I'm on school holidays. You know, I've got a bit extra time each week. I'm going to try to watch both shows for a few weeks upcoming. So, you know, maybe we can uh, touch base in a few weeks' time on a podcast and see if um, we have seen any positive changes. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that you're going to watch SummerSlam or do you think you're just going to pick and choose the matches that people say are good? Uh, no, I, I will watch the show, yeah. That's not my thing. Like, to be honest, mate, wrestling matches aren't really my thing anymore. I'm not going to, I have to watch a show. I like the feel of watching a whole show. Okay. Um, I'm not really that much of like, oh, wow, this is a five-star match. I've got to go and seek it out. I will 
you know, I'd, I'd, I'd watch a show because it's a show, you know? Nice, nice. Oh, yeah. man, well, hopefully you enjoy your SummerSlam experience. We are rounding this one up here, dear listener. When we have uh, maybe more people back on the panel next week, we'll uh, return to a book of bingo. Talking of Until next week, then, um, there is a plug from my side of um, yep. if any listeners want to get involved in the Monday record of Shock Mastermind, we're going to do a 15 to 1 style quiz where everyone has five lives. And if you get a question wrong, then you lose a life. And if you get a question right, then you get to nominate who answers the next question. And it's last man standing. So if you want to be part of it, get in touch with us by Twitter or by Instagram. And you can be part of Shock Mastermind. I'm very much looking forward to seeing whether that actually works. <laughs> I guess maybe it's because I don't know the format or whatever, but in my mind, it just sounds like an absolute clusterfuck. But we'll, um, we'll see. We will see. I'm, I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? All right. Probably the, the best clusterfuck since, I don't know. The- just be careful here. Careful. careful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's leave that there. Dear listener, if you're getting involved in any clusterfucks, enjoy yourself. But most importantly, drink lots of water. Look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. <laughs>